Hello there, and welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. We're happy that you've taken time out of your day to download this podcast and to listen to it, make it part of your life. We certainly hope and pray that you will be edified and Christ will be glorified. We also hope that you tell your friends and family about us, and we appreciate the positive and encouraging emails that we have gotten. We also have uh, some more questions that came in, and we're going to try to answer a couple of those today on this podcast as well. For more information about us, we pray and ask that you would go to uh, biblicalquestion.com, all lowercase, all one word, and there you can find uh, a way of contacting us and have your question submitted to, to the podcast. You can find out uh, more information about us. We have a statement of faith there as well. We pray that you would also go to the prayer list and and pray that uh, these people who have made requests, their prayer would be answered. And we again thank you for listening. So the first question is, uh, what is faith? What is faith? And and that's an interesting question over the years. People wrestle with that. they try to go to different parts of the Bible trying to um, figure that out. And most people go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and they can quote it. And it's called the faith chapter. But there's, when you ask them what Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 means, you really don't get much of an answer. And so there's this, a shield of faith that is described by the Apostle Paul and in the in Ephesians to the Christians there in the church of Ephesus. It, it's important because we need to know by faith that there's grace, there's mercy, but also that this uh, faith, it can extinguish all the flaming arrows that uh, the evil one can throw at us. And that's in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. This is not an uncertain promise, but rather it's a divine assurance that faith equips us to escape uh, the evil that is around us and always attacking us. But what is faith? I mean, first of all, the Bible does define faith as being sure of what we hope for in a and certain of what we do not see. Okay, that's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and a lot of people can quote that. This, there is this avenue or a channel of living trust, an insurance that comes from you and me as, as God's creation to God. In other words, it is the object of faith that renders faith to be to be faithful. Faith is his assurance that God's promises will never fail. Even sometimes even we we do not experience their fulfillment. Hebrews eleven underscores the fact that we can trust God, He's going to fulfill His promises. And this idea of future uh unseen, it, that's a future thing. I can't see into the future. Nobody really can. But God does. Uh has that ability to look into the future. And so we, we trust that he's going to be there for us to help us, to take care of us, to provide, uh, to protect us. And so our blind, our faith is not blind. 
It is based solely on God's proven faithfulness. The, the faith that serves to protect us in spiritual warfare, uh, we need to be careful here not to confuse it with, with knowledge, mere knowledge. Okay? And so, people can listen to evangelists all over the television, across the radio, obviously podcasts, and they can listen to that but not necessarily believe the message. And maybe he's teaching a false message or not. That, that that knowledge that it takes to be saved is not a saving faith. In other words, hear the message. Read the Bible. Like demons, they, they continue to live in fearful uh, judgment to come. You can read that in James chapter 2, verse 19. However, what scripture describes as genuine justifying faith a faith that not only knows about the gospel but agrees with the gospel 100% and say well that's changed uh, that didn't, doesn't apply to us or that's a cultural thing the truth of the matter is listeners the Bible is timeless the, God's word is timeless and whatever was written is written for our knowledge to know who God is so that we can have faith in him. Have he, Again, he's that object that we believe in. We can, we can have faith in, in other things. Example would be our children. We have faith that our children would always do the right thing. And so that would be the object or thing believed in. When we're talking spiritual matters, we need to know who God is. We need to believe what he says is true and have faith in him that he will take care of us and provide us and protect us. And that does not mean we're not going to have hard times. It doesn't mean that we're not going to struggle. We just need to know and understand that God is there for us. He, he's going through it with us. I think one of the, the misunderstandings of the book of Revelation is the fact that the churches are being persecuted, and God is telling them they're going to be persecuted. And they, and they were terribly persecuted. But he tells them that he is in control. And not to worry just for it. You're, yes, you're going to suffer. But from my side of the fence, it's exactly where everything needs to be. And at the end, there is a great reward. Just trust in me. Have faith in me that this will be fine. Job chapter 13 verse 15 says this, Though he slay me, that's Job saying, If God kills me, yet will I have hope in him. And that's, and that's kind of what we're, where we need to be. We need to have hope in, in Christ. Have that faith, that trust and belief. Faith is a, a very, very deep thing and deep subject. And uh, I would encourage you to uh, continue to, to try to study that out on your own. Thank you for that question, and then we'll go to our next one. Okay, our next question comes from Rose. She did not uh, tell us where she was from, and that's okay. But uh, when you email, we ask that you kind of give us an idea where you're from, and that gives us a better clue of where uh, everybody's listening. But basically, her question was, 
what Christian doctrine is important? What Christian doctrine is important? Uh, that, that's an interesting question. And there's several things I believe that are, are very important uh, for the for the Christian to understand and believe is that the fundamental gospel. You know, all other religions outside of Christianity they confuse or, or they contradict their essentials. Uh, they're they're important things that they want to call their doctrine. Muslims, uh, for example. They they denounce the doctrine of Christ uh, and the uniqueness uh, of the unforgivable sin. Uh, you know we we need to understand as Christians that there there are some very important doctrine going on. One of them would be uh, the deity of Jesus. The deity of Jesus. The, the biblical. Uh, stand is Jesus is the eternal creator God. There are not three separate gods. I know that's real popular. I know there's the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, but there's only one God, period. And, and a lot of people have troubles with this or understanding this. And so, uh, John chapter 1 is the biggest uh, out of the gospel accounts that really lay out the deity of Jesus. Colossians chapter 1 in the epistles, uh, the apostle uh, Paul would make it very clear that Jesus is God. He was God in the flesh. And throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus claimed to be God in a world, uh, in the physical world. Uh, you can read that again in John chapter 5, John chapter 18, John chapter 8, uh, verse 58, where all these I am statements are at. There's seven of them. And every one of them refers, he is stating to the, to the uh, Hebrew people, the Jewish people, I am God. I'm the same guy that talked to Moses. I am. Okay? And so, even... He, he has his power over nature in, in Mark chapter 4. I mean, he, he, he calms a, a, a storm. He, he has power over fallen angels or, or demons, as we talked in a previous podcast. Uh, in Luke chapter 4, he has power over sickness. In Matthew uh, chapter 4, verse 23, he says, I even have power over death itself. And so... We need to know that God, as Jesus in the flesh, He is God. Another one would be uh, the canon or the Bible. All the books of the Bible, all 39. Uh, Old Testament and 27 New Testament books. They're all from God. Uh, the Apostle Paul would write uh, to Timothy, All the Bible is inspired by God. It is the standard in which uh, we need to live by, how we get to, to learn more and more about God, and, and be able to have eternal life with Him. Another, I think, important uh, doctrine for Christianity is the resurrection of Christ Himself. All four Gospel accounts give an account of the resurrection.
And so this is the cornerstone of Christian faith, that Jesus, he, he really did die. He did not fake his death. I know that's a popular teaching, but he really did die on that cross. He shed blood for the forgiveness of sins, and he was buried, and three days later, he walked out of that tomb. Okay, so uh, there is an empty tomb in that we need to really believe that, the, that Jesus did die and he, he rose again. And so uh, those are just a couple of things. There's um, the doctrine maybe of new creation, this uh, idea that we Christ is going to make all the old things new. They're all going to pass away, and he will make all things new. Uh, that Jesus uh, reconciled himself to God for the internal life, to inherit eternal life. John chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. I mean, Jesus, his resurrection from the dead, is, is the theory presented as the renewal of all things, the new creation, and a faithful believer will believe and knows that there is a new creation coming and that Jesus is going to do that. Uh, I certainly hope that this helps helps you, Rose. Or, there are several more that and perhaps we should go over. But I think that gives you a general idea of the uh, troubles in our world that uh, the Christian doctrine is... Uh, it's struggle. It's not really taught anymore. We there's so many sermons that I listen to and and go to worship and some they're almost like a so what. Uh, nothing was ever really taught. We just we just talked a lot. We didn't refer to the Bible. Uh, we didn't hear "Thus saith the Lord." Uh, we weren't told what we must do uh, to be saved. Uh, what about the blood of Christ? I mean, there's a lot the things that we do not hear in the churches anymore in America. Well, okay, Rose, well, I thank you for listening. I pray that you will continue to listen and be encouraged. Okay, our next question comes from uh, Mexico City, Jose. Uh, Asked, why pray if God knows what I need? Why pray if God already knows what I need? Well, you know, as a parent, there's a lot of things that I knew that my child probably needed or wanted before they ever asked me. Uh, I, and I think most parents can relate to that. But I think it's critical for us to recognize that we, we need to be talking to our Heavenly Father. We need to be uh, communicating with Him. We, we need to have that, that relationship. And I think as a parent, yeah, you, you know that the child needs this and you're already planning to get it. But it's kind of nice the child says, hey, Dad, hey, Mom, you know, I, I need a new pair of shoes. I wore the other ones out. Well, looky here, my toes are sticking through. I had to cut the ends off or whatever. Okay, and so there's that relationship that's showing that you have a dependency uh, as a child on, on, on your parent here on earth and I think that's why God he likes us to pray to him and to ask him so that we uh, show our dependence upon him 
which we really should be dependent on Him for all things. And really this ought to be enough reason alone to pray without ceasing is to show that we really have dependence on Him. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 verses 7 and 8 say, And when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for if you, you ask your Father who knows your need before you ask Him. And that's, I think that's kind of where the question was coming from. Uh, that he, This listener had been reading his Bible, he stated, and, and wanted to know about that. We just need to show that we're dependent on God. Uh, and to continue to pray to Him for our needs. He's praying the uh, the Lord's Prayer, as it's commonly called. I call it the Our Father. But, you know, give us this day our daily bread. You know, many people in the United States got freezers and freezers full of food. Okay? There's people in the world that have nothing from day to day in their eyes. They, they struggle just to get a loaf of bread. They're hoping that they get enough work and get paid that day so they can go buy food to feed their family at night. And so, again, we need to show our dependence. We need to show also in prayer uh, that we acknowledge to God that we are sinful people, uh, that we need His forgiveness, we need His blood to cleanse us. And so there's many reasons uh, to pray and to show God respect, uh, give Him praises and honor and glory. But we also ask God for help in the different areas of our life. And so I hope I'll say, I hope that kind of answers your question. And I hope you continue to listen and thank you again for your question. Okay, our next question comes out of Dallas, Texas. And the question is, should I forgive others when they don't ask for forgiveness or they refuse forgiveness? I'm not sure why anybody would refuse forgiveness, but I guess that's very possible. But the first part of that question is, uh, should I forgive even though they don't ask? The short answer is yes, you should always forgive. Uh, I, hanging on to, to hate or, or re revenge, uh, trying to dig up the past on people and continue to say, yeah, you sinned against me and shame on you. and All that does is eat you alive and it does not make you a, uh, a good person, really. You should just, it's not easy to forgive and forget. I understand that. But the Bible does uh, direct us to do that. And we need to understand, too, this idea of forgiveness, uh, that our standard is, uh, of this is higher than God's standard, and I don't think so. I mean, we, we need to follow the example that Jesus uh, gave. I mean, here he is, he's being nailed to a cross. I mean, he has been beaten, tortured, uh, he's dying, and yet he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Those soldiers were really just doing their job as executioners. Uh, they, uh, but yet here's Jesus saying, forgive them. Another thought on that uh, scripture would be that Jesus is saying, you know, to the crowd, they really don't know what they're doing. Uh, forgive them. They, they don't know the insults they are hurling. They really don't know who I am. They rejected me. So there's several ways of looking at that verse. But the, again, the short answer is yes. 
Uh, we need to forgive people. Uh, did I say it was easy? No. Does that mean we forget? No, we're not made to forget. Uh, if we uh, we were created to forget uh, everything, it would be a new day every day. We would not uh, be able to uh, even remember how to tie our shoe, perhaps. Here's Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. says, Therefore, if you're offering uh, your, your gift at the altar, and then remember that your brother has something against you, I leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother, then come offer your gift. I mean, I think Jesus is really trying to make the point is that we all need to get along and we need to love each other and realize uh, everybody sins against somebody. And that if you want forgiveness, uh, then you need to offer forgiveness in return as well. And there needs to be, you know, uh, some repentance done, there's no doubt. That repentance is, is, is changing your ways, your heart. Uh, you're not doing those bad, evil things no more. You're not out intentionally trying to hurt and destroy people's lives. Uh, you can see if people have repented or not. They are not living that lifestyle anymore. Uh, they don't talk that way anymore or whatever. And so you need to see that the work in God in them is working and cleansing their heart and that perhaps uh, God has already forgiven them. And two, ultimately, forgiveness of sins really comes from God. And so we need to, to realize that too. And, and we don't always realize, how do you know that person didn't ask God for forgiveness? So I'd like to read uh, Psalm 51, verse 4. This is uh, out of the NIV. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. I mean, here's David. He's acknowledging that he has sinned against God and God alone. But what is he asking for forgiveness from? Well, remember, he has just had an affair with another man's wife, Bathsheba. And, and, they, and he has her, uh, Uriah, her husband, uh, murdered. And you would say, well, those sins are against Uriah and Bathsheba. And I understand why you would think that and say that. But at the end of the day, David says, ultimately, only you, God, have I sinned against. I need your protection. I need your, uh, your cleansing. Please forgive me. And if you would really read uh, the entire Psalm 51, I mean, it is a very beautiful psalm explaining God why he has sinned. He's asking God for uh, cleansing, cleanse my heart, creating me uh, a new creation. He's asking God to remove uh, the guilt of that sin and the sin itself. And at the end of the day, only God can really do that. We can say, and I've heard it said, sadly, well, I can never forgive that person because God's never forgiven them. How do you know that? How do you know God's forgiven them or not? I, I have no clue if God has forgiven somebody of their sins or not. I'm going to operate off this idea that they, they, if they say they've asked God for forgiveness, then they've did it and God has forgiven them. Because I certainly hope God would forgive me of my sin. And so that's a, that's a struggle. When people really hurt us deeply uh, to, to let all that go. And it, it, it seems to be a process of, of time and prayer 
to just let things go. Doesn't mean you forget because we're not programmed to forget what that person does. And so we, I, I certainly hope and pray that uh, this helps answer uh, the question, should I forgive others when they don't ask for forgiveness? And again, the short answer is yes. Uh, Jesus obviously forgives people uh, and they didn't ask when he's on the cross. That's just the first example that comes to my mind uh, of, of Jesus forgiving people. And so, again, I, I want to thank you for listening. Um, if you have questions you like answered, we will do our best to answer those questions from the Bible and hope that they will help you and encourage you in your study, in your word. We pray for the listeners each and every day here. We always pray for the persecuted church as well. And so if you're living in a country and you're being persecuted for your belief, know that we're praying for you. We also want to encourage everybody to go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com and look at the prayer list there as well. And also you can find more information about us there, our Statement of Faith, our LinkedIn page, and our Twitter account. And if you would follow us on those, uh, we occasionally put out uh, articles there as well, uh, events going on around the world that affect uh, or influence Christianity. Again, thank you for listening. May God bless you, and may He have the glory.